Before we start this episode for today, um, I want to take this time to honor cinematographer Alina Hutchinson. Um, if you guys are not aware, last night um, the news broke that she was shot and killed on an accident on set of Alec Baldwin's uh, new Western um, called Rust. And um, it's just a tragic event. And she's up and coming. She was an up and coming cinematographer who was on, who was nominated as a rising star for the cinematographer, which is a magazine. And also she was an AFI graduate in 2015. So this time we just want to send out prayers to her and also her family. She's a mother, um, a wife, and also a great cinematographer. Rest in peace. Doom. Hello, you beautiful people. We are back with another episode. My name is Davi Vieira. I'm joined by my co-host, Charlie Medeiros, and we are so happy to bring this episode to you guys because we're going to be talking about Dune. Dune, man. Freaking Dune. I, I can't believe we watched that last night. And yeah. whew, there's a lot to talk yeah. about. Last night was an experience, and I am so happy we got to see this film in IMAX. It was honestly breathtaking and um, beautiful to watch. Denis is so talented, and I just can't wait to just dive into this film because it was so good, not only just as a watcher, but as someone who read the book, this film was just amazing to see. Yeah, I I didn't get to read um, the book. I actually, I bought the book. (laughs) <laughs> in advance to try to read at least the first half because i know it's based off the first half of the book uh it is called dune part one that's in the title sequence yeah so fingers crossed for part mm-hmm. two right because exactly. we know the circumstances yeah but um yeah i didn't i didn't get to read um the book unfortunately i wish i did um just to be able to compare but still it's kind of nice that we had a one person with the book perspective and one person without the book perspective. And I, oh my God, I was blown away. That's all I can say about this movie. I, I, there's more than I can say, but I was blown away when I walked out of this. And I know you shared, you had some, you know, emotional <laughs> episode at the very end of the, in the credit sequence. Oh my gosh. Yeah. If you guys follow us on Instagram, uh, at Redox Cinema. Um, you would, you'll see, uh, Charlie took a video of me literally right after and bawling his eyes. I was, I don't know. I just got emotional. (laughs) I don't know why I was crying, which made no sense. I just, I think I cried because the movie was just, it makes sense, man. It was just so good. I I mean, I was, I'm not judging. I'm not judging at all. I cried at the end of no time to die. So (laughs) (laughs) that that was, that was for me. Okay. But it's justified. I just think for me that the scope of. The, the the book in itself the story is so big and to see a an adaptation i think done right is beautiful to see because it is a tough tough story to adapt a very tough story and i'm not saying that the film is perfect it's not perfect but what they've what they've done with this film compared to the book is very impressive i mean for me, without the book comparison, mm-hmm. it is basically near perfect. Mm. It's right there. Yeah. Um, 
and like the elements of the storytelling mm-hmm. felt so rich mm-hmm. and like I don't I don't know it it was just so there was so much content in there I don't want to say content in like that kind of that kind of way but there's there's so much meat in the storytelling and mm-hmm. so much thoughtfulness throughout the progression of the story I was never bored for a second mm-hmm. even though you know we talked about in our previous episode how Denis it has a very like slow burning you know pace like he he takes his time with certain things but even while he's taking his time with certain mm-hmm. things in this movie the visuals the grand scale of of the world which he's famous for as well mm-hmm. it just captivates you and keeps you intrigued the entire time so i was never bored not for a, yeah. a second even though the movie was it's very long it's very yes, long it's it like is. two over two and a half hours yeah yeah it is very long and um before we dive into our review and what we think about it i'm going to give you a quick plot summary of what the film's about um it's just a heads up the story is it's super complex there's so many different houses different names so i'm gonna try i'm gonna do my best to just give you guys a quick rundown of what the film is about um, if you guys want to learn more about it, definitely read the book or um, Google search it or watch a YouTube video on explaining how the, the story is set up. Um, but um, I'm just going to give you a quick plot summary on what the film is about. So uh, Corner Warner Brothers, it is a mythic and emotionally charged hero's journey. Dune tells the story of Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding, who must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. The planet that um, Paul and his family, the Atreides, the Atreides house is heading to is called Arrakis. And it's, um, they're known for the Fremen. The Fremen are people who live in Arrakis. And the significance of Arrakis is that um, there is this spice. It's basically a sand. And this sand is very val- valuable in this universe. Um, the sand is basically like a currency. And it serves greater purpose in a, in a sense that it's used for space travel. Um, yeah. And if you don't have this sand, uh, you won't be able to travel fast in space. So it's a very valuable element that people need to go out and to go out to different universes and find new places in this in this world. Is there like a different element? quickly like is there a different element to the spice as well because i remember zendaya's uh the 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 movie starts with like a voiceover from Mm -hmm. zendaya and she's like elaborating like talking about the spice and she mentions that it's time travel but it's like a psychedelic type of thing that yeah that helps your intellect and understanding Mm -hmm. of certain things so is it more than just time travel? definitely it's more than it because it it, there's a part where um paul like basically gets high yeah off of it yeah so it so it's it like, like the, alerts, it's their version of the yeah, force. It's a, yeah. So it's like it basically brings it like a uh alerts, makes you like makes your mind more awoken, if that makes sense. Okay. That's my perception of it. Of when I read the book, I feel right. like it's more of like a uh you can say a drug, but a drug that like makes you more powerful in a way that right. if you control if you can control the symptoms that you feel with it, your your body can uh, adapt to it better and you can have a, a a greater power with the spice exactly. so the fremen have been able to um live with the spice there and they use it as a way of living and um so what happens is that uh house uh, arcanon is currently um in control of arrakis 
the emperor uh, tells them that they need to leave Arrakis. And so Arkanen packs their stuff and they leave. And then the emperor announces that House Atreides, which is Paul, the main character's house, his house is now going to take control of Arrakis. So that's like the main, the main point of the story. And just so you know, before we really dive into this, into this review, um, we want to put out the spoiler warning. Um, Spoilers from here on out. Yeah. If you haven't watched this movie, I know it's really early, like it's only been out for a day, but mm -hmm. yeah, spoilers. We're talking spoilers because for Shang-Chi, which was our first episode, yeah. we got a lot of requests from people to just dive right into spoilers from the get-go. And that's what we're going to do with Dune. We're going right into it. So you've been warned from this point on, this will contain heavy, heavy spoilers. Yes. So be warned. Yeah. Um, and before we go into it again, I'm sorry about that. Um, the, the story is, so the film is actually half of the first book. Um, yeah. Kind of weird, right? So um, the movie basically ends... Uh, you questioning what happens next. So it's basically like signaling to you that, look, this story is not over. Right. Um, it's, like a, it's like a soft cliffhanger mm -hmm. in a, done very beautifully. Mm -hmm. Very beautifully. Because it, usually a cliffhanger is like, a, like an oh shit type of moment. You yeah. know? Like, this just happened and there's no, like, we're only going to get a resolution next time. Mm -hmm. For this one, it's not like, it's not that anything happened in particular. It's just like the journey is to be continued. Mm -hmm. They're just beginning their journey is to be continued. Yeah. And, it, and it's beautiful. It's it really more is. of like a like an eye opening of like, yes. oh my gosh, we're going to see a greater world. Like, we yeah. just like we just saw the world being built, but now it's like, oh shoot, like this is like this, this is it. This is now the story is going to go down. And it just, you know, that's why I was like, yeah. oh shoot. Exactly. It just gets better and, and better. And it's crazy because the, the, it, it, feel, it felt like we got so much of this world in this movie mm -hmm. um, because of just how grand the scale is. The cinematography is impeccable. Mm -hmm. Everything looks beautiful. And I just want to give a quick shout out to every single person that was a part of the design team, the visual effects, CGI. Not a single thing in this movie looks or feels like CGI to me. Mm. It all feels like it's a real, it's natural which is a huge testament to, you know, the talent of the people involved in making this movie. Yeah. And even though, you know, we, we felt like we saw a lot of the world and it was very like, uh, like the world felt very tangible and rich and full of context. There is, it was just a small glimpse and I'm really excited to see what they're going to give us in part two, three, four, however the many they decide to do. I'm kind of hoping that yeah. it becomes this huge thing, but mm -hmm. It is, it's, I was, I'm honestly, I was blown away from beginning to end. I mean, literally when the first, that boom, brrr, I don't even know what he was saying. It was just like. <laughs> Hans Zimmer's score uh, yeah, comes in hard. Comes in and like, so hard. Um, <laughs> I personally, I really enjoyed Zimmer's score. Um, not one of my favorites, but I really liked it. I loved it. I think it fit perfect to the theme of the story. Um, I know some people had problems with it, uh, but I personally, I loved it. I had no issue with it. Mm -hmm. Not one. Mm -hmm. My one thought process that came up during the movie was like, this feels like a movie that's overly scored. 
maybe compared to other films. Uh-huh. There's a, there's music for everything. Yeah. There's like almost no silence in this film whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But I but I I thought of, I've had that thought for a quick second and then I kept watching I was like I like this. You know, because it it, it was guiding you towards an emotion, what to feel in that moment every single time. Mm-hmm. And it's Hans Zimmer. Yeah. It's such a powerful score. Um it's beautiful. Um, in, in certain points, like there are some vocals in there that are like very like haunting yet beautiful at the same time. Um, but a lot of it's like very dark and, um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful score. Um, and it really stands out. It stands out, uh, in, in on par with the visuals, which is very important yeah. for me as well. Let's take a break from visuals. Uh, let's go into the story and the storytelling of this film. Uh, I want to start off with Charlie. Charlie, was there anything that stood out to you from storytelling that you really loved, you didn't like, and some things that were, you were questioning um, when the film end, ended? I, story-wise, like I said, I think it was very rich and full of um, interesting elements. I really liked um, the aspect that Paul has these visions that he gets every now and then. And he's kind of like predicting the, or not predicting, he's kind of seeing into the future, mm-hmm. even though it, it he sees uh, many versions of what potentially is coming. So it's not, a, it doesn't always come out to be exactly that way. But I thought that was very interesting. It was like, he had this ability to, to or this gift to have visions or have dreams while he's sleeping. Um, but it's kind of jumbled up. And he doesn't really fully understand uh, mm-hmm. what he's seeing. And it's so, so it, it leaves it to be like a guessing game for both him and for the, us, the audience, which I thought was a really cool uh, element um, of the story. Because you have certain parts like he, ha- he was having a vision. We already gave the spoiler warning, so here's a spoiler. He had the vision that someone gave him this knife. Mm-hmm. And with that knife, uh, he's, he saw that he was going, that there was blood shed involved and that essentially someone was going to die at the hand of that knife and we don't know exactly who you know you were seeing visions of like you know zendaya's hand is all bloody and stuff and like dripping everywhere we see the knife several times over and then when it finally gets to the scene it's like zendaya is the one who's gifting him this knife to a fight that they all expect him to lose Mm -hmm. right um and i really liked the aspect of i really liked that aspect of the storytelling it's it's always a guessing game to try to figure out what it is that's coming next even though it's foreshadowed for you through his visions mm-hmm. which i thought was really engaging and, and very powerful uh the other thing that i really uh admired about the the storytelling of this movie was the it, it's telling a a story of a relationship between a family between a father and a son and a mother and a son. And it's basically giving us this story of um, the fact that Paul is more like his mother than he is his, like his father. Mm-hmm. And his father has, butts heads with, the, with his mother uh, because of certain elements, certain, certain gifts, things that she's teaching him uh, of these powers. I don't remember. Do, can you clarify where what she's involved yeah, in. Yeah, she's a she's a a, a, jesser, a jesserette, uh, and yeah. she basically like, she's part of the sisterhood. 
and they're basically nuns. Yeah, kind of like no, it's kind of similar to they're, nuns. Yeah, they feel and, like witches. Yeah, sort so of. They basically like have control over their whole body, um, their menstrual cycle. They have control of like their pregnancy. They have control of. Um, they learn how to develop this power where they can basically tell people to do what they want. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that's who she is. And they're usually women. Um, yeah. But she trains Paul to be like that. Yeah. So that's why there is some, like, when the, when the, when the woman came to, to, to counsel Paul about his dreams, she told his mother, she was like, why, why are you training him like this? Like, you shouldn't be doing this. Right. And then he's like, yeah, but this is my son. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so she was supposed to, essentially she's supposed to birth another woman, but she births a, a son. Yeah. Um, but that's her power. Gotcha. And Paul has the ability to do that as well. Obviously he doesn't have the ability, he's learning the ability. He's learning, yeah. But he's, she's training him to be like that. So that's why I think you, when you talked about the family aspect, yeah. um, there is a, a, you can see that there is a, a close relationship with, yeah. um, with his mother. Yeah. And there's a divide too between, mm-hmm. you know, the father and and the mother because the father wants to train him to take his legacy mm-hmm. you know after and be his successor but the mother wants to teach her way to the son so he's caught in between mm-hmm. and he's seen as like this messiah type figure mm-hmm. uh to you know the people of arrakis or of the world to the to the fremen right yeah to, the fremen. to come in and and, and save them because they have like a prophecy that someone will come in and save uh save them from you know the the people who come and try to steal the spice from their land and 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 basically enslave their people and stuff. So mm-hmm. he's caught in the middle of that, mm-hmm. and I really like that element of like a family. Um, it's it's very subtle because the family does get along. There are like few arguments here and there between his parents, um, but it's like a subtle, you know, awkward situation that he's stuck in the middle of that choosing either side. Mm-hmm. Um, or choosing neither side, mm-hmm. you know, which it just incredible writing, incredible mm-hmm. writing, um, to the author of the book, obviously, because that's Frank where Herbert. it's coming from. Yeah. And, um, yeah, beautiful, beautiful story in my mm-hmm. opinion. Um, with me, when I first read the story and then when I read, when I saw the movie, um, I read, I saw it with the, with the interpretation of a, a very religious lens, um, because obviously we have a background of faith and um i uh was basically interpreting like paul as like a, a messiah and um i found a lot of correlations with um with christianity but i think there's more correlations with the story with islam mm-hmm. um but i'm not i'm not a muslim so i right. can't i can't talk about that um but if so, if you're a muslim and you're listening to this i honestly would love to see to hear your interpretation of this story because i think it's heavily influenced um by islam and mm-hmm. the religion um but i think when i saw it from obviously a, a a faith lens um what i really loved the most is like the the struggles that that paul went through and he, seeing his inner his inner struggles and the development of him becoming a fremen because at the end he becomes a fremen yeah and um just i think his development was done really well and that's what I appreciated a lot about the story was understanding that Paul is a kid. He's a 15-year-old kid. In the book, he's 15. The story is 15 as well. Right. It's a 15-year-old kid who 
basically has the burden of becoming a chosen one and has to save and liberate an entire group of people. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved the, the dreams, the visions. That was an aspect of the storytelling that I thought was so good because they were showing you his, the visions that he was seeing. Um, we'd get a, a perception of it, but it wasn't accurate to what was going to happen. It was yeah. accurate, but it happened. The outcome was different. Exactly. So yeah. the foreshadowing of the story is really good. Um, one thing that um, I was kind of disappointed on was that um, I know I, I keep comparing it to the book. But I'm so sorry because it's it's because the, again I'll say it's a great adaptation, but I I was hoping that he, they dove into more of the political. Um, aspect that the book carries because yeah. this book is very it's political heavy you know it deals with um, empires trying to take over each other and um, the, that battle is nuts I mean it's it, it's heavy you know yeah. and I, I wish they, they show that more which I think they will I'm not saying that right. um, they will they'll just abstain from it I'm saying that the, I think they will in the second movie dive into more of the, the political aspect of Dune but I, I wish they, they showed that more but um, there was still there was still a lot of a lot of influence with with, with politics in this film and, and how, you know, the men are, you know, they want they want power and they right. feed off it. And the, uh, the Arkanen people, how they're all they want is the spice and they yeah. want to control the spice and have and have it all to themselves. And then you have Paul's father, who he's a he's a leader who's trying to um, understand the Fremen compared to the other uh to the house Arkaner who was there before, but you know he fails because he he doesn't look out for it. I think which is interesting because he I think he fails because he's not looking out after his family, even though he he has he has an eye out for his family. But I think um, when they got when they invaded the the place where they were staying, um, I just saw it was interesting. And, um, he had an eye out for himself mm-hmm. and for his spice production and for, you know, the growth mm-hmm. of his wealth. Boom, right there. Thank you. you. Brought me back on track. So yeah. at the beginning, I think coming into um, Iraq, his, his thing was like, look, I'm going to make sure my family is good. I'm yeah. going to make sure they're, they're secure, they're safe. But as they, when they first encountered the, the worm, I think that was a switch in his mind where it was like, oh, dang, like, I need to get my resources in check before we lose everything. Right. So he, he was, he put his family in the back seat and it was like, you know what, I, I'm, I need to figure this out. And then what happens? He dies. And the, yeah. fr- <laughs> and the friend that told him, look, watch out, watch out for your family because bad things are going to happen. He, I think he was kind of like, I don't think so. And I think he went out in like a really badass way though. Oh, yeah. Because, I agree. like, plot twist, there's this doctor that has been, you know, that is, uh, like, diagnosing Paul or, like, checking his vitals and stuff, making sure that he's okay. Because he's going through a lot with these visions and he's, like, sweating and getting a fever or whatever. The doctor's there to check. The doctor ends up betraying the family and ends up killing the father. Mm-hmm. Right, I forget his name. I really should have uh, remembered Dr. his name. I got it. S S H or the father's name as well. Uh, that is a. Uh, you can look it up, mm-hmm. to, so that we can remember. But, um, <laughs> it was so interesting. Like he, he did it so that he could rescue his family. So he's mm-hmm. stabbing, you know, uh, 
he's stabbing their them in the back but um it turns out that the emperor is not a man of his word and ends up killing him regardless killing the doctor regardless but the doctor before that gives him the option to also take out the emperor by implanting this like tooth in his mouth that if he bites down hard enough will release this toxic chemical that will kill everyone in the room and when it came down to that scene where paul's dad is basically helpless he's laying on a chair naked completely naked because they stripped him of all his clothes humiliating him and he had like no movement in his body he was bleeding out he was dying uh and the emperor gets really close to him he just bites his tooth and releases the poison um it doesn't end up killing the emperor as we see that's not the emperor just so you know oh that's not the emperor. that's not the emperor he's the leader of house arkanen so we haven't even met the emperor we haven't met the emperor yet Oh no. my God, my mind's blown even That's more. That's not the because I thought this whole yeah, time that that leader, was the emperor. Yeah, he's the leader of House Arcanet. See, this is why it's good to have somebody with the book perspective. <laughs> yeah, that blows my mind even more because we have a, okay. So I had some, like, I had some concerns about this villain, quote unquote, um, because we don't get to see him much in the movie. No, and we also don't get to see like how evil he is either until those scenes so he is a villain but he's not the villain he's not the villain correct which is gets me even more excited for part two. Oh my god <laughs> but yeah i mean ugh, there's so much there's so much to this story and like you were saying before about paul and he's caught in the middle of this uh you know dispute does he learn from his mother does he continue his father's legacy does he join the fremen and he has this uh when they're trying to escape their home their new home uh when they're under attack they leave on this helicopter and then the helicopter ends up crashing and he has this vision and he's going off on a crazy tangent like people are calling out calling out my name and you know looking to him for help and so, so he's essentially predicting giving us another in, uh foreshadowing of like people are going to be desperate and they're going to look for Paul to help mm-hmm. um which his which shows us as well that his powers need to develop a ton mm-hmm. for that to happen and I'm so excited to see like what abilities he has when it comes to that point yeah because right now he's very like he's still in training he's very fresh his abilities don't work. Like when his the first scene in the movie, his mother is trying to teach him how to use the voice, mm-hmm. and he, like throughout the entire movie, he hadn't gotten it down correctly. Uh, he always had slight issues with it, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, seeing him progress and learning his abilities uh, is going to be really cool for the continuation of the story. Yeah. So the doctor's name Ua, and then. Paul's father's name Leto, but I just call him Atreides. Okay, that's just that's just because I right uh, to that. But um, I have a question to ask you. Yeah, go ahead. About <laughs> what did you think of like? Obviously, every single person, in my opinion, every single person that acted in this film was incredible. Mm-hmm. Like the casting was impeccable. I think the standout for me is Rebecca Ferguson. One hundred percent. hundred. I can't. I can't even. I can't even disagree with that. She was 
she did everything she yeah. needed to do and more. And she, she really delivered on her role. Mm-hmm. It was very convincing. Um, you know, uh, she showed the, like a distress that a mother can go through when she's seeing her son go through pain. Um, yeah, there's a whole scene about pain. That scene about pain. <laughs> the symbolism with pain, I think, is, is awesome in the, in the story as well. Yeah. I love and, the way they, they bring that. And let me say that I was concerned at first, when the movie first started, I was concerned with Timothy Chalamet's portrayal of Paul. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like in the first few opening sequences, I wasn't very convinced. And I was kind of like, eh. like it just felt like it, it just felt like it could have been played by anybody else, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I might still feel that way okay. about Paul. Okay. I, so I might still feel that way. I don't know. I think I need to watch it again. And then I also think, I, obviously, it's going to continue with him. Yeah. So I need to see the progression. But um, when it got to the scene where he's putting his hand in the box and just seeing him act through, you know, acting in pain, mm-hmm. um, that is when it, when it clicked for me. And I was like, okay, I can, I can, I can uh, respect Timothy Chalamet taking on this part. I can respect him as an actor in this role. Um, that and the, and, and, the, and the vision scene that he has uh, with his mother in the airplane or in the helicopter. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what solidified it for me. I was worried about our protagonist, but I think it's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. He's a good actor. Oh, yeah. He's it's just very that this, char- this particular character, uh, it, his behavior and his mannerisms are very, very different. Than what he's played before. Than what he's played before, exactly. So, uh, um, yeah, those two scenes are what helped convince Mm -hmm. for me. I don't know about you if you want to touch upon Um, standouts for you. Standouts for me is Rebecca Ferguson um, as Lady Jessica. She is, oh my gosh. Um, I think her, the way that she was portrayed was so, so good. So good. I can't. Um, I, I think that she stole the show personally for me. I think she, I, I agree. She, I agree. She knocks it out of the ballpark. And the reason why is because like, you really look at that role. You're like, oh, what's so significant about her role? We watched the movie. Some might be thinking like, she's not really that, that mm-hmm. important, but I think she's so important. She's a mother to a son who is called to be a, 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 a Messiah essentially. Yeah. And you see, you get a, you get a, that perspective from her and it's her trying to not only, help her son but she also has to deal with uh her hu- not her husband because they're not really married but yeah. um her significant other paul's father and um and then also has to deal with the fact of the sisterhood where she has to view father not only as a son but as but also as a messiah as well because she you know what i mean yeah. there's that balance exactly. where where she she's looking at him as like he he might be the one like he might be the the chosen one yeah and she has to take the lens off of not looking at him as someone that she loves, but as someone who can basically come up and become a leader. That and, and the fact that she's constantly afraid of losing him mm-hmm. throughout the movie. Yeah. The scene with the hand in the box is mm-hmm. a test. Yeah. And he doesn't, if he doesn't pass then, the test, he's oh, killed. That scene when they cut to her outside. Exactly. And she's on the floor bawling. Yeah. That was, oh, that was great. I, I love that they did her that. Her whole, like, her whole, like, little... Uh, I want to call it like a ritual that she does mm-hmm. when she's out. Like she's, she's talking to herself during these moments of despair where she's incredibly afraid. Mm-hmm. And she has this line that she 
tells herself she's like fear is the fear's, mind fear's killer, mind killer fear's and she goes killer. off on this thing yeah. and i thought that was the most i don't know i loved that i loved that and another standout scene for me was when paul tells her that she's pregnant yeah and they cut to her walking down a hallway yeah and she's like holding she's holding her mouth and she's like basically like trying not to cry because i think in her head she's like fear is a mind killer fear is a mind killer yeah because i think at that moment she's like oh shoot like i know that's my son but he just he was able to tell me that i was pregnant yeah and a man is not supposed i think in that world a man is not supposed to do that or he just uh, maybe I, I don't remember if it, correctly but maybe he knew before she did yeah i think that was another thing yeah. too Mm-hmm. So she was like, how the heck do you know? I don't even know. Mm-hmm. So like his abilities are growing mm-hmm. from her trainings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's just she is by far. She steals the show. hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I have no problem with that. Usually it's, you know, usually if the if the protagonist is like undermined mm-hmm. by another character, we might have some issues there. But I have none and no issues with with yeah. her stealing the show in this film it's very much justified and i think it gives the story uh even more um it gives it even more substance mm-hmm. between their relationship yeah the mother appreciate. the mother-son relationship exactly. is, is really good and we're not saying that timothy chalamet is, is not bad he he's good um, he is he's great he's good and he's, he's good great. in the film um we're just highlighting i think a character who uh, an actor who did yeah. incredible and that was and that was rebecca ferguson i also want to highlight uh jason momoa man as duncan i was surprised um he yeah he was good he was really good um i was i mean and it was so i and i think um i think you could catch it because he i think he knew his fate because yeah. i know paul paul told him and he kind of like jokingly about it but i think as the story progressed when they were getting, when they got attacked by yeah. the, by the, by the Arcanin, um, by House Arcanin, uh, I think at that moment, I think he realized, okay, I'm going to die. Yeah. And when he got, yeah. when he got to that moment where he was basically battling to death. He knew. He yeah. knew. He knew. He knew and, because he gave a little salute with the, with mm-hmm. the knife. Yeah. You know, yeah. this and over the forehead. Mm-hmm. It was, that was such a badass scene yeah. and the door is closing and Paul's running after him. It's like, Usually in in these types of movies, like you wouldn't really feel so much for those characters going through mm-hmm. that, and in this movie, you're tech yeah, you're technically not supposed to feel that way because they didn't give us too much of the relationship between Duncan and Paul. Mm-hmm. But the very small bits that they did, I mm-hmm. think, was enough substance mm-hmm. for us to feel like an emotional connection between their relationship. Mm-hmm. So I did feel bad, like when. Mm-hmm. Duncan came to his demise. I think one thing that was very significant that they did was right off the gate when they introduced Duncan, you can tell that Paul's reaction to seeing him all the time was always, his face was always lighting up. 100%, when he would see yeah. him, he would be like, He'd be Duncan, smiling. like, oh my gosh. Like, you can tell yeah. that, okay, like, this is a, the first scene that you meet Duncan, you're like, okay, he has a strong relationship with Paul. Exactly. Boom. And then right there, we, you, get, you get an idea that, okay, Duncan is is very close to Paul and he has, he means a lot to Paul. And, and Paul almost aspires to be like him because he's all, he's always asking him like, Hey, can I come on this mission with you? He's like, no, mm-hmm. you know, Oh, okay. You guys uh, are doing this. Like, no, you're mm-hmm. staying back. I have a duty to protect you mm-hmm. and you're not trained for this yet. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he definitely looks up to Paul. 
uh, sorry, Paul definitely looks up to Duncan like a big brother. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, it's. Mm-hmm. I, I thought I thought it was done well. I f- I I kind of wish we could see that go a little bit further. Mm-hmm. I want to see a friendship that goes further, and I think that's going to come with Zendaya's character. Yeah, and um, which we don't see a lot of her. We don't, and um, we do, but we don't. we do as envisions. Envisions. I think so. I, I think beautiful. Well, I think people were montages. were upset about that. Yeah. Um. But I I wasn't. One part that I think I wish we got more was more of the Fremen. Yeah. Um, we got more, but I think this this film is focused more on the fall of yeah. House Atreides. Yep. And then Paul rising up as a Fremen. Will be the next one. Will be the next one. Yeah. So. And we'll get to see him mm-hmm. like fully join and learn their mm-hmm. ways. And- so. So I, I think this. I think this film is Fall of House Atreides, Paul taking up a new name, and pushing himself further into this universe. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, but it's oh, okay. Now, um, with the story in mind, uh, I want to talk about the set, the costumes. Yeah. Oh my gosh, they, they were, were not they were beautiful. Incredible. I like. There, there's the one scene where you see Paul, like, towards the beginning, he's walking on, like, this beach. Mm-hmm. And he's wearing this, like, bl- all blacked out costume, like a trench coat, like, draped down. Mm-hmm. And, like, this, the collar popped up and stuff and these boots and stuff. And I was like, and, and, the, and the black leather gloves. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is so, it's so badass. dope. So <laughs> badass. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. the oh, And the fighting, uh or the the okay so they have a uh, that that outfit that one of the fremen give them mm-hmm. uh where they can drink recycled water and mm-hmm. stuff that all black outfit and then it has the mask mm-hmm. for them to to be able to breathe that was another really cool outfit um mm-hmm. that I loved costume design this uh, this should get a nomination for costume design as well I agree I think it's for me I think it's costume design set design cinematography sound cinematography score everything. editing yeah. and score 100%. Maybe, I think visual maybe effects, a visual VFX as well. I think um, if they director. campaign, if in director, if they campaign this movie more, you might be able to see Rebecca Ferguson nominated for supporting actress. Yeah. If it's campaigned, she can I, get a nomination. I think she's going to get there. I think she is. I think she is. I know that it's kind of eh, somewhat early for Oscar season. Yeah. We know there's tons of buzz around who's going to get nominated for what. Um, but in terms of supporting actress, I haven't seen that many names. So Rebecca Ferguson might definitely be on that list. Um, but I wanted to ask you as well, Davi, because there were moments and th- like, thankfully we got the opportunity to watch this movie opening night in IMAX, which is exactly what it was intended for. And I wanted to ask you, what was a, what were some moments that you were looking at the screen and you're just like, wow, because I felt like th- there's a lot of elements in that mm-hmm. of that in this film, and it definitely feels like one of those revolutionary uh, films in cinema where it's just pushing the boundaries further in terms of what it can do story-wise, visually, sound. Uh, you know, if he, like w- leaving the theater, it feels like the first time when you watch like Lord of the Rings back in the day, or it feels like the first time after you watched Harry Potter or like mm-hmm. one of those 
big, big franchise that you know it's going to be special. Mm-hmm. What were some of those moments for you where you just like, wow, your jaw dropped to the floor and just blown away? Okay, so um, this movie, so if you, we watched an IMAX, so every single time where you can tell when a film was, when it was shot in IMAX, that when a scene was shot in IMAX, every single time when they go to that full IMAX ratio, um, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And there was a part, I think for me, what I was always in awe was every single time they went to a vision. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, I was, I don't know why, because I'm a person who loves visions and seeing stuff. Yeah. I just love foreshadowing as, uh, yeah. as, a, as a movie lover. So every single time I would see like a vision and like uh, parts where they would show like the Fremen and all that stuff, there's shots of them. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and then there was a part where they showed how uh, Ar- uh, Arkanen, um, where it was basically like the, that classic. I actually have a picture saved on my phone. I'm going to show it to Charlie. So it was basically like that classic um, shot of where you show basically like your army. Every single time where they showed like their, their army, the armies of the homes, like lined up and like the, the camera placed up top. I was blown away. And then there was a scene where their um, house trades were about to go into battle and you hear them chant their name and then they just rush. Oh, that was awesome. Um, and also I love that um, they played with two colors in this film. They played with, I think, gray, um, gray and blue. Mm-hmm. And also when they played with um, orange, yellow. I love the two, the two, the two aspects of that. Yeah. A hundred percent. What about you? Um, for me, it was more of like the some of the dark sequences because I feel like shooting in the dark is very, very difficult. And there were certain scenes like when they, um, I forget what they're what they're called the 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 faction that the mother is part of those the witch nun things. Uh, the Jesseret. Okay, the Jesserets when they're after they. Uh, that lady does the test with Paul with his hand like they're leaving on this ship outside and it's Ooh, dark oh my outside it's nighttime yes. and it's raining and mm-hmm. you just see these bright white lights of the ship in the background mm-hmm. that I was like blown away by that because of the, the massive scale that it was like the ship in the background everything and just the pure like you know just rain and, and, and the environment that it was in uh, I was also blown away by, like you said, anything that was in the desert mm-hmm. was phenomenal, <laughs> incredible. Mm-hmm. They, I, I don't know where they shot that. I don't know if that was green screen, CGI. It looks it, real. They shot it in um, Abu Dhabi. Abu Dhabi. That I makes believe, a lot of sense. I believe. Because there's a lot of sand dunes there. Yeah. That I'm makes pretty sense. sure it was Abu Dhabi. Okay. So, because I was going to say, it just looks so damn real. There was um, when they first encounter a worm and um, mm-hmm. Paul's father gets... Um, his his assistant and also Paul and the camera pans up to the them holding each other's hands on the on the on the ship with it open and then it shows the worm down below and the it's just, I don't know the, you, yeah with um you know what I'm talking about mm-hmm. exactly yeah. yeah 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 so um that scene was was incredible uh and every single time they showcased um. The worm coming out, and the and the and this dune shaking, and then we'd finally get a, a just a just a picture of it, just like a, a magnitude of how big this this creature is was just dope. 
And I think this film, the scale of this film is so big. And, Huge. Um, I think enormous. It's no, it's nuts. I mean, it's it's something I, I've so I've never felt like this in a while when going to theaters. Like after I finish a film, I'm like okay, cool. But last time I I was really like just in awe when watching a film in theaters was I would say Interstellar, and yeah. I was like in tw- I was like fourteen years old when I watched that. Exactly. I think yeah. I was just. I was blown away. It, I would, yeah. Visually, it's visually it's probably the best that I've ever seen. And that's a lot. To, mm-hmm. That's that's huge to say. Mm-hmm. But in terms of just how good the world building is, how good the CGI is, everything. I know Star Wars, the new ones especially, is they're really good in terms of like uh, scale of the world, CGI, all of that stuff. Um, Especially like the last one, I think um, the the last Star Wars film that we had was really good as well. But there are certain elements of that where you can you you know that that's CGI. Mm-hmm. And in Dune, for me at least, I couldn't tell. I thought it was real. Wow, it just looked real. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that IMAX ratio is so important because it gives yeah. you that huge scale. Denis is so like mm-hmm. he's just so famous for that for that appeal for that look mm. and he executed it beautifully yeah i think um i think this part, cinematographer obviously yeah, exactly but it's a uh, greg greg smith yeah um who's a cinematographer shout out to him he did an impeccable uh, job on this film impeccable i think um sometimes i think someone might say that you know the scale was so big that it maybe affected the story where yeah i think sometimes you might be able to say that because they have to build this world and get you into it. So I think it's this film is a perfect start to a trilogy or four more movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's the start. It, this is not the end. Right. Um, it's, we're getting, we're not even close to the end yet. And that's why I, it was like, it was for me, it was like watching the, the Fellowship of the Ring, which is the first Lord of the Rings. It was like, okay, this is just the start. Mm-hmm. And the start already, and I'm ho- and it hooked me in perfectly. So I'm hooked. Yeah. And I want to see how this ends. So, I mean, it's probably too soon to say this about Dune because it's only the first iteration. Mm-hmm. But with other movies like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, Star Wars, mm-hmm. all of those, those films can be considered epics. Mm-hmm. Would you call Dune an epic? Would you classify it there mm-hmm. after just one part mm-hmm. of the movie? Or is it I, too soon to tell? Okay, it might be too soon, but as a standalone film, it is an epic. Yeah. But we're not there yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it is the perfect start to an epic. Exactly, yeah. And that's... And that's something we haven't had in a while. A long time. In a long time. Very long time. Maybe it might be like, yo, it's Marvel. But Marvel has like 26 movies, 30 movies. I don't know I, in total. Marvel, so, yeah. I, but I wouldn't even classify Marvel movies to be an epic. Not, not a single one. Wow. Not a single one. Wow. And I, yeah, I know. I used to be a Marvel hater. I turned into a Marvel fan now. Mm-hmm. I, I can't classify 
any of the big ones like Infinity War. I can't call that an epic. I can't call Endgame an epic. I can't. Mm-hmm. I, uh, unfortunately, I can't. When I'm comparing it to films like The Lord of the Rings, uh, to Star Wars, so you put it in a in a. Those are elevated categories. Okay. Those, those are, are you. Those are like historical epics. You think like people were like, it's gonna go down in in cinema history. Yes, a hundred percent. I mean, okay. obviously, Endgame. Endgame is gonna go down in cinema history. Endgame will go down in cinema history. Highest box office yeah, all so. time. It's gonna go down in cinema history. But I'm talking about just the. I'm talking about the pure, uh, artistry that is behind the filmmaking process of that movie and what has been delivered to us on the screen. I can't look at a single Marvel movie and compare it to Dune or to Star Wars because visually, even though it's like very heavy CGI, very good CGI, all that stuff, visually it's not there. It doesn't have the, 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 the colors. It doesn't have the, the, the same character building. They're getting, they're getting there. They are mm-hmm. getting there. Mm-hmm. Um, this is in a class of its own. Dune mm-hmm. is in a class of its own, along with mm-hmm. the other epics like yeah. Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, mm-hmm. Harry Potter, I guess you can call you can. Um, that world an epic, obviously, because the impact that it's had on a generation. Mm-hmm. But then I wouldn't put Harry Potter there personally. No. no I put it on the same level of Marvel. Really? Yeah. I, I can't. I can't. I can't uh, put it on the same level. Really? Just in terms of what it's I done would, to an entire generation and the mean, influence that I mean, has. what Marvel's done to an entire generation, too. I mean, I 100%, wouldn't. 100%. I wouldn't. You know what I mean? But I think... But I, in terms of... I think that the... I think the story... I'm going to get so much hate for this, but I think the story and the elements that go into all eight films of Harry Potter are richer in context than those of Marvel. Okay. I do wow. think so. I do think so. For the exception of a couple of entities that Marvel has, like WandaVision to me was the first um, that I saw that like really gave us that that um, character building in that context and dove deeper into a character. Maybe a little bit of Loki. Yeah. Um, it's just not. It, it, yeah. It's in a different. It's a different. Yeah. It's in a different class. Yeah. But those are superhero films. Right? Yeah. Those, it's in a different category. Sci-fi, yeah, know. exactly. Well, you can consider sci-fi too. Yeah, but, um, I, yeah, I mean, just going back to Dune, I, I mean, I am still in awe with what I saw, and another thing I will say, I don't, I think it's a movie that um the general audience might be skeptical about. Um, I don't think a lot of people will will love it. I think a lot of people will love it, and a lot of people will think it's boring, and that it may they don't understand why this film is getting the hype that it is. Yeah. And that's okay. And I understand that. Yeah. Because there's points in time where I, I think if a viewer would watch it, they'd be like, what's, what's the point of this? You know, what's going on? Um, I think, I think we still have a long way to go with Dune. We and do. I hope, I hope, 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 hope we get a completion to the story because it's, it's, it's been built up perfectly. And I am so ready to see it. It's closure. And yeah. I think the second movie has potential to be even better. Um, and I mean, the sky's the limit for this series. 100%. Um, I'm not saying that it's Lord of the Rings or, you know, the original Star Wars trilogy. I'm saying that it has potential to get there. Um, very much so. And very much so. We're very close. I think it's it does, and 
one thing I hope for this film is that one, they keep the same director. Two, please, Hans Zimmer comes back and score. Oh my god! And they keep the same cinematographer. And that's where you fall into the epic, into the category of an epic, because mm-hmm. it's consistent. It needs to be consistent. It's consistent, yeah. and it's a it's a consistently told story mm-hmm. and a an artistic vision. And the same that isn't played with. So like need- the the new Star Wars trilogy. Mm-hmm. Can't fall into that no, category it because it was a mess all over the place. Yeah, the original Lord of the Rings, I'm pretty sure, was all yeah, all same, the same writers movie. and same director. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And as far as I know, same same uh, composer for the score. Yeah, same so. composer. So so it needs to be uh, it needs to be consistent in everything. A hundred percent. And that's that's Warner Brothers. That's Warner Brothers' job to do that. Um, we got to make sure you bring in the same writers. And you got to make sure everything is written perfectly clear from beginning, middle to end. We got the beginning, we need the middle, and then we need the end. We, and, and don't put that shit on HBO Max, for the love of God, for please the part don't. two. Warner Brothers, please Get don't out do of that. Here. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think they will. But there's, all right, so just so you guys know, there's rumors that they're actually going to start filming soon. I don't know if it's true, but I was yeah. reading, seeing that they're going to actually start filming Next summer, I don't, I don't know. But, but so, I mean, I know our last episode we were concerned mm-hmm. about how it would do in terms of numbers because of the HBO Max release being the same day as theaters and all that. After watching this movie last night, I'm not as concerned. I'm not either I, because I think it was. It's the movie is so. It's so big in scale. It's so profound. It's so rich in storytelling. I think it. I think they're just going to, regardless of if it flops in the mm-hmm. domestic box office, I think Warner Bros. is like, we have to make another one. Mm-hmm. And then just roll it out normally, hoping things are much mm-hmm. better next year. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I, I would assume it would release 2023 the soonest. Yeah. You want, you need, yeah. I think you need to release this as soon as possible. Yeah. And mm-hmm. by 2023, you bank on the fact that, you know, things are going to be even more back to, to, to normal and, and that people will just flock to the theaters to watch mm-hmm. it because they've heard the buzz from the, the first yeah. movie. And one thing that, I, that was so significant when um, we walked out, I actually haven't seen this in a while. People staying in the lobby and talking about the movie. A hundred I haven't seen that in a while. The last time I saw that, I, I honestly didn't see it for... Shang-Chi. I mean, I think I saw it for Shang-Chi. But I, didn't. Not as, I didn't. You didn't? I don't, I, didn't. Re- I don't remember. But the way, okay, for me, it was like, what was so significant about that was that people were so animated about it. They were going, they were, I couldn't hear what they were talking about. I was just looking at their facial expressions and they were going like, did you see that, this part, that part? Yeah. Yo, did you see when the this, this happened? And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I haven't seen this in a while. People were outside talking about the film. It was, it was awesome to see. And I'm so excited. Twitter last night was an absolute buzz. I mean, I texted you. I was like, yo, doing this trending. Um, so people were talking about this film, either if they were watching on, on streaming or, um, or in theaters, they were talking about it. And that's good. And I think that's what Warner Brothers needs to see. They need to see this film trending on Twitter. They need to see this film, people talking about this film on social media. So if you've seen this film, tweet about it. Instagram it, Facebook it, whatever you do, Snapchat it. Make sure you hashtag it because Warner Brothers needs to see that you guys enjoyed this film. So, Charlie, now, coming down to the end, what would you rate Dune out of 10? 
This is the big, big moment for me, right? I've been waiting to give it a score. I love it because that's what I like to do. I love to give movies a score after I watch it. Dune for me, after the first watch, and I'm afraid to watch it again for a second time. I know we're going to go do that that right after this podcast. (laughs) Go watch it on your OLED TV on HBO Max. Like we talk mad smack about HBO Max, but it's (laughs) we're going to go watch it. Oh, because we want to see it in different formats. In different formats. In Dolby Vision. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. After my first watch, the way that I felt watching that movie, <laughs> the way that I walked out, just, I, you, you cried. I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry. I didn't end up crying because I, the emotional attachment is still going to come with mm-hmm. the other films. Oh my God. Like, I just, I haven't seen anything like that in a long time. I really haven't. Just say it. I it's really okay. haven't. No one's like, going to judge you. Just say it. I give Dune. Mm-hmm. A 10 out of 10. Perfect score. Perfect score. Wow. Yeah. Okay, that is big. I give it a perfect score because I think that it just bodied the competition. Bodied. In terms of cinematography, in terms of storytelling, in terms of music, acting, everything. All of the elements that you need from cast, crew, it all came combined. And created this perfect thing. There's flaws. Sure. There's there might be a couple flaws here and there that people see. But for me, like I just I enjoyed it way too much. And it's very rare that you see all the elements combine like that effectively and give us that sort of product. And for that, I give mad props to Denis. I give mad props to the cast, to the rest of the crew. Um it's a perfect score for me. It's a 10 out of 10. I think it's going to go down in the history books. Dune is in, in 2021, it's setting, you know, it's setting the, the path for a new epic that we haven't seen since the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Wow. Wow. You said that beautifully. I don't know if I can top that, (laughs) but I'm if your gonna, score is lower than mine, I'm just gonna, you know, I would be so offended. But it's, no, okay. it's fine. Go ahead. Um, um, okay. Judging it from the books. Judging it from the books. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't have to do it. But judging it from the books, um, one thing I'm gonna say: the share, the the scale that the book is written in, and how the world is built in the book, translates really well to on screen, and that alone is beautiful and deserves so much recognition because this like i said before this book is so hard to adapt y'all this book has so many like things going on at once that it's not at once but it's just it's very hard to adapt a book like this yeah um i think you have to read it to understand what i'm saying but it's it's really hard and and very quickly uh, sorry to interrupt mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. like immediately as soon as the last scene and it cut to to black and it went to the credits the people that were sitting behind us were like, wow, that's exactly how the book mm-hmm. ends halfway. Yep. So yeah. it, it's it a does. testament it to does. what you're it's saying. It's true. It does. It literally ends exactly like right. I literally remember reading that part. Yeah. But it literally ends halfway. And um, like I said, it's, it's beautiful. Cinematography again, amazing. Denis, great director. This just puts him on the map to do greater projects and he is going to go down in the history books as one of the best directors, I think, 
in the in our history in our time right now. Yeah. And um, you have this, you have Hans Zimmer who is already a goat coming in do the score great cast is insane. I mean the number of people who are in this movie from uh, Timothy Chalamet, Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, um, uh, Dave Bautista. Uh, Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa, like this is a huge cast and huge. Um, even though I, Dave Bautista is not really in the film as much, he'll be in the next one. Just I know he will. Um, we, I think, I he, it's just it's this film is massive, and there is so much that um, goes into making a film like this, and the scale of this film is huge. And um, that being said, um. I give this movie a 9 out of 10. Oh, my heart. <laughs> my heart. And the reason why, <laughs> the reason why is because this 9 is a great score. No, no, it is. It is. <laughs> respect. Nine, That's respect. 9 is a great respect. score. And, and the reason why is like I brought, I brought in before. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I, look again, it's a tough book to adapt. And I think giving it a 9 is very respectable. Um, I think, the next films that they that they do has potential to be tense um, because this is just the beginning and it's a great start and I'm so I'm so happy I am so happy to see this this being made and um, and the reason why I give it nine out of ten is looking into the storytelling um, to this the story and um, some aspects where I think they could have talked more about uh, I think the the political climate that was going on in in the universe, I think, should have been talked about more. Um, that is why I bring the score down literally a point, um, because I think it's a huge significance in the story of Dune, which I know they'll do in the next part. I'm a hundred percent confident that they'll definitely dive into the political complexity of Dune. But that's basically brings the score down for me. But half a point though. Just half a point for that. I can't go back. I give it a nine. I I can't go back. I was in between a nine, nine and a half. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm sorry. Lesson learned. Yeah. Do not read the book before you watch the movie (laughs) for anything ever. Uh, I'm just kidding. But that's (laughs) but that's what breaks it down to a point for me was that I think um, there's way more I think philosophical things that could have been addressed, even though they do as a lot in the in the story, but. uh, like I said before, this just opens up for a new epic. And for Fellowship of the Ring, I also give it a nine. That's like, I think, perfect because it just gives it a a start to a trilogy. So I think a nine is a great score for a start to a new film. Yeah. And I'll say this again. I have never, I've felt, I haven't felt like this in a while for a film series. And um, I'm literally counting down the days when they say production has started. Because this film needs to get made. Needs, we need a completion of the story. Um, and Charlie, you have anything else you want to add? I mean, the only thing I was going to say is, I know we have our differences. Nine out, nine out of ten, ten out of ten. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, they're pretty on par. Mm-hmm. But that's what makes me afraid to watch it for a second time. Is mm-hmm. to see those, those little mishaps or mm-hmm. where things could have been better. The first watch through for a movie it's for me is it's, always the most mm-hmm. enjoyable. It's the most important. I wish I could erase my memory, rewatch it again for mm-hmm. the first time mm-hmm. to have that impact. But like I said, I think, I think also I'll really emphasize this. What helped us to feel this way and have these high, high scores for this movie is because we watched it in theaters in IMAX on the biggest 
screen possible and the way it was intended. If you watch this in a standard format, if you watch it at home on your iPhone, if you're watching it on your iPad on HBO Max, like you probably will not walk away with the same impression that the both of us walked away that's with. That's a great point. That's a, that's a very great point. And I completely agree. Yeah. Um, I think my cousin, he had texted me. He's like, yo, I'm going to watch it while at work. And I was like, please don't. Please don't do it. What a disaster. Ben Stiller uh, tweeted like, today. Uh, I don't know if you saw Please don't do it. Ben please Stiller do tweeted that. today. He's like, I thought Dune was only in theaters. I walked in the kitchen and saw someone watching it. I was like, oh my God, that is a sin. Yeah. That's a sinful, <laughs> sinful thing. Yeah. It's. Uh, you should be it's, condemned right now. Yeah. Like, yeah it's. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. That's just. So oh my God. Please watch this in theaters. I think the experience for this from. This needs to be experienced in theaters first watch. Um, but it's. It's spectacular. Like like I we th- said in IMAX, and you you hear that first little you know little first few instruments, a little drum hits. It, it's literally going through the studio title sequences, and it's- and you hear Hans Zimmer's score come in, and Davi and I just look at each other. We're like, "Holy shit, we're in for a ride. Mm-hmm. We're in for a hell of a ride." Yeah. And that's the amazing part of a of a theater experience. So just we emphasize that. Please go watch mm-hmm. it in theaters. It's that's how it's intended to be seen in. Yeah you're going to walk away with a better impression of this film. And if you can't watch in theaters, like I said, stream the heck out of this film because we want to see... Go buy an OLED TV. (laughs) Buy an Apple TV so you can have Dolby Vision. Go buy, like, the most expensive freaking sound system they could possibly get if if you can't make it to a theater. Blast that crap. Get a noise permit from your town so that your neighbors can't complain. And then oh freaking just blast that blast thing. It, just blast Break it. Break all the windows in the house. And then you can return all of that exactly. the next day. That's great. <laughs> um, once again, y'all, thank you so much for listening to the Redox Cinema Podcast. My name is Davi Vieta. Charlie Medeiros. Thank you so much, y'all. See you soon. On the next episode, when we talk about all the trash-ass movies we've seen recently. <laughs> Oh, <laughs>